Hello and welcome to episode four of the Becoming Podcast with me, your host, Anne Fancy. Remember, if you enjoy this podcast and uh, wish to hear it again, I would so appreciate that you subscribe and follow on your favorite podcast platform. Um, Today on the Becoming Podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about um, waking up and living a life more consciously. Uh, My intention with this podcast from the beginning is to help everyone, including myself, in this journey of becoming our truest, um, most creative, collaborative, connected, and inspired versions of ourselves, which means largely we have to get out of our own way. So this podcast specifically was born from a conversation, a podcast I heard briefly, like 30 seconds of it maybe, maybe a little bit more than that, from Tara Brock, and it just got me thinking. So um, let's dig into today's topic. Um, I want to start with a quote that really um, was powerful for me. This felt like a gut punch kind of quote um, because any good quote will do that. It hits you right in the stomach where you can't really deny the truth that's built within it, right? Um, so I read a quote recently that said um, something to the effect of that thing that isn't working out for you is all part of everything working out for you. Um, I believe it was an Abraham Hicks quote. And man, is that shit true, right? So how often have you, me, all of us gotten so stuck in believing that our life was supposed to go one way and we've been so pigeonholed and limited vision and we had our blinders on and all you could see was that shiny thing you were chasing that you were certain was meant for you, that we get so stuck that we can't see all the other beautiful opportunities um, that are you know, waving flags at us trying to get our attention. And we get so fixated and so obsessive. I mean, maybe that's just me, but I can get really, really stubbornly fixed on something. And it doesn't even mean that that thing won't eventually be for you, right? Maybe it's a job or a relationship or a house or um, an opportunity or even, um, you know, really big things, right? It doesn't mean necessarily that because it isn't happening now that it wasn't or isn't intended for you, right? Um, When I met my wife, I knew that she was my person. I had the moment where I saw her in the stands at a hockey game, and I was like, oh, there's my person. Meanwhile, we were both in relationships, and it wasn't the right time, Um, but my 20-something-year-old self was very pushy and very stubborn and knew that our lives were supposed to be aligned, right? And I couldn't, I saw the shiny object and the timing wasn't then, it wasn't now, but I pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and it got ugly for a while because I was trying to force something before um, the time was right. And I think sometimes when we know things deeply in our being, we can get really, really fixated on um, that thing, that opportunity, that person, that relationship, that job, that particular outcome that we can't actually enjoy or see the rest of the journey, the rest of the information that's meant for us to grow through, right? And then sometimes the truth is that thing isn't meant for you. It was never meant for you. You just 
needed it to get you to the next right step or you were asking for the opportunity to learn a lesson, a deep lesson, I firmly, firmly believe that it is our soul's intent to move through this human experience, to find our way through difficult lessons and struggles and heartbreaks in order to learn really the opposite lesson, right? So if you're childhood was one where you faced a lot of adversity or love was a a commodity that you were not privy to having or you were not you were not really given Um, then perhaps if you can shift your perspective perhaps you chose that experience in order to teach yourself to love yourself unconditionally right self-love is not something that comes easily to a lot of us and many people I know were raised in an environment that was not loving. My upbringing largely was very loving because my mother had made a commitment to herself that because she was never told she was loved as a child, that she would choose then to embody that, to give that freely to her children. Now, sometimes I would guess that she thinks that's to her own detriment, but I can promise you that kind of love that didn't feel conditional, at least not most of the time, was... um, a foundation that allowed um, my siblings and I to endure some difficulty because we knew ultimately we were still supported and loved at the end of the day. And that's huge. But lots of people learn lessons through the opposite. So if you can start to look at your struggles and your situations as things, instead of things that didn't work out, as opportunities for learning, that's number one. Number two is How many times can you look back at your life and be like, oh my gosh, thank God I didn't marry that dude that I thought I was so meant for when I was 16, 22, 27, 45, whatever, right? Thank God that didn't work out, right? Or I don't know, you know, I got that degree in college that I was so sure was the right one. And though it wasn't the right one, that experience of college led me to the right people, or gave me the right opportunities. If you can look back with, you know, 2020 vision on your life, I bet you can see lots of things that you wanted that didn't work out in your favor from your perspective at that time. But now you can see how it led to the next right thing. I had coffee with an old friend uh, the other day, and we were having one of these deep conversations in a busy restaurant. I'm sure people who are overhearing us were thinking, interesting thoughts, but she mentioned how she started to recognize that she has these like golden balls that she chases and that sometimes or even often it isn't that particular shiny golden ball that she's really meant to have, but it's what that golden ball leads to. And I love that, right? We can all joke about being attracted to shiny things. And so often then we get fixated, our ego gets fixated on the shiny thing, the new relationship, the new house, the new job, the new pair of shoes, the new whatever. And what's really intended is that that shiny thing draws your attention in to lead you to the next right thing, to wake something up, to hear exactly what you needed to hear, to learn the lesson that breaks you open in a new way right? And that is some hard shit, man, to be broken open in an effort to then learn, to grow, expand, to um, birth something creative and new out of that brokenness. It's so hard when you're in that pain to see that this is going somewhere, that there's a greater intention to this pain. But most beautiful things I can think of in my life came first from heartache, 
from being broken open in a way that allowed me to shed my limited viewpoint or my fixated viewpoint or my obsession and so that I could then birth the next right thing so that I could then see what was next down the line for me. And it's so painful when you're there. If you're in the midst of a heartache, a loss, a breakup, a major disappointment, I'm not pretending at all that it's kittens and fairies and unicorns and glitters, glitter and magic. I'm not at all pretending that. But I do know that everything powerful, every powerful human I know, every person who has influenced the world for the good has been able to witness their heartbreak has been able to witness all the things they believe to not be working out. And instead of numbing out and avoiding and shutting down, they choose to look at that brokenness, to trust that that brokenness has also broken open something beautiful within them. And that's the difference between people who are able to see those experiences that aren't working out as opportunities as transformational moments. My wise friend Lori Lipton calls it initiations, right? Like these initiations are, you've had a million of them probably, but that perhaps our soul, your soul, has chosen those initiations in order to move you to the next level of growth and evolution. Can you start to look at your life as if those initiations were meant for you that they were meant to expand you, that they were meant to transform you. And I think the key to being able to make that transition from heartbreak and initiation um, that takes you to a place where you can't get your head above water to a place that allows you to then swim in that discomfort, to step into it and to start to recognize this is an opportunity to see the world differently, to see my life differently, to see my experiences differently. If you can start to wake up to that reality, everything starts to change for you because suddenly those struggles and heartbreaks will still feel very humanly hard, right? We're still human. We're meant to have human experiences and they'll still feel fucking hard. But Perhaps there's at least moments within it where you can catch a glimpse of what's happening to you, of the transformations that you're making, of the moments, just little tiny glimpses of light in the midst of it, that you can see that there's a purpose and that this shiny experience you chased and lost or this relationship you had and lost or this opportunity you were so dedicated to having and wanting is actually just a baby step in the direction that your soul is intended, and that these are just little carrots that are allowing you to step closer and closer to being more aligned with what the hell you're supposed to do here. And I promise you, you're supposed to do something powerful. And powerful simply means good, and that it creates a powerful ripple. And those ripples sometimes look tiny, but as they expand out, they get bigger and bigger. Now, The other side of this conversation that I've been having a lot lately is this idea that we are meant to be living or working to live above the line instead of below the line. Now, below the line is what the world has conditioned us to do, to react, to be guided by our ego, to feel um, that everything's happening to us, and to be small, right? To see scarcity instead of abundance, to react when people piss us off, to be defensive, 
to feel threatened by the world, to believe that you don't have enough energy or time or love or experience or whatever BS story you've told yourself, right? Living below the line is all of the faulty thinking patterns that you have built within yourself. And most of those faulty behavior patterns started when you were a kid. They started when you were tiny. And it wasn't even, you know, you can blame whoever you want, but that's also below the line thinking, right? We can blame parents, but I remember hearing a long time ago, every time, you know, you you point back at your parents and feel like a victim of that. Remember that everyone is a victim of a victim, right? Think of the terrible atrocities that have happened um, in your ancestry, right? Some of you were, um, you know, have the ancestry linked back to slaves or um, to major loss that happened because of disease or war or the Holocaust or all kinds of horrible things that humans have done, right? There's all of that is like genetically encoded in our DNA. But beyond that, it's also in the patterns of thinking and behaving, right? I mean, I remember learning you know, even not that long ago that people largely didn't get attached to their babies because babies didn't live that long. And if you got attached to your baby, then the death would be harder to face. And so just think of how many generations it takes to undo that kind of thinking, that non-attachment that I can't attach and I have to stay armored up in order to not love so that I don't feel the depth of the loss. Right. And so what I'm talking about is that if you could imagine a line, I remember seeing this at my chiropractor's office a long time ago. Right. And it was like the iceberg below the water or the, you know, glacier or mountain above or something like that. Right. The island. And that was sort of like symptoms was above the line, but root cause was below the line. And we're going to go a little bit different direction with that analogy. But if you imagine that consciousness is anything above the line. And lack of consciousness, sleepfulness, lack of being awake, um, that is below the line, right? And so when we're in below the line thinking, we see everything that's happening to us as, a, as, a, as suffering, um, as an experience that we've either created out of pride or that we've, um, that's happened to us and it's limiting us and it's, it's all this, you know, the bullshit we get really caught up in. And we get committed to being right and we get defensive and we feel closed and we feel graspy, right? Like we have to hold on to what's ours because um, there's not enough, okay? And that's the reaction state of being. So when somebody triggers you or triggers um, all of the stuff that you've carried through your life that you've been taught, right? Um, When someone triggers you and you react immediately without thought, that's below the line. And I would even venture to say that a lot of it This beta thinking, the monkey mind, where you're just in repetitive, stressful thought, that's all below the line thinking, right? And remember, when we're in stress, our energy body literally contracts. And when you're stressed out and you're contracted, that beta mind creates inherent narcissism. So you, of course, are only worried about you because you're in this constant state of stress and you see everything as a threat. Everything. And so... If you're in the monkey mind and you're in that state of being, you can't be conscious and awake and abundant. You can't be loving and seeing everything as expansive because you're stressed out and the literal reaction of your body is to go, where's the threat? Where's the bear? I better protect myself so that I don't die, right? 
And what we're asking and what the world is asking of us and what the spiritual world and what the yogic world and what the Buddhist world and all of the worlds, even probably inherently what's at the heart of all religion, though I think much of religion has um, played on our fear. But at the heart of it, the truth, the pieces that fit from every religion, the, the heart of all of it, you know, love, forgiveness, um, trust, faith, hope, all of the good stuff, be a good person, be a good human, make good choices, right? All of that stuff, all of those pieces are all above the line, right? That's the expansive way of thinking. And so if you're interested in consciousness and this idea of becoming more awake, what we're trying to do is baby step above the line, which means we start to look at ourselves. You know, in yoga, we uh, work to become the compassionate witness, right? You simply start to try to become the version of yourself that can witness your monkey mind, right? You work to become the one that says, oh, I'm having an experience that's uncomfortable. I call this the edge, and I'm going to do my best to witness that without reacting to it. Oh, I think my arms are going to fall off. Is that true? Is that a true statement, right? Or, oh, gosh, I really wish I would have stayed home and drank coffee and read the newspaper instead of coming here to sweat and hold postures forever, right? And so we're just starting to witness ourselves off the mat in the bigger ways, because I trust that maybe not all of you are yogis. Um, in the bigger ways you can do that is, you know, oh, that person from work who always pushes my buttons, who triggers me every single time, and I can't freaking stand being around her, I'm going to, instead of reacting and allowing it to get under my skin so much, I'm just going to see if I can take one baby step back and take a few breaths or take a few seconds to react. I'm going to see what it feels like to not fixate on that so much and obsess about the next a-hole thing she's going to say to me or that snarky, underhanded comment she's going to make. And I'm just going to allow myself a little bit of space to respond instead of react. Right? You've heard that before probably, to respond instead of react. That is starting to wake up your consciousness. That is wakefulness. That is simply at the very heart of it trying to be a better person. And I'm not saying who you are below the line, your knee-jerk reactions are always bad, right? It's really neutral from the perspective of spirituality or growth, but less than optimal and not um, feeding your highest good, right? That's what happens below the line. And so what we're trying to do, we, the, the collective community of people working to wake up, to expand and elevate our consciousness, is we're trying to be less reactive, to go, hmm, that's me doing that thing that I do, right? Or I can see that I'm feeling emotional and I'm triggered, right? It took me, this is a big one for me, it took me the last, well, I'm 38 now, and I'd say the last five, six years I've made huge progress in this, but I spent decades really, really numbing myself out. And for me, it looked like, um, it looked like body image obsession, um, weight obsession, dieting obsession, 
uh, whether that was eating or not eating, right? Whether I was a size zero or a size 14, it was all of this fixation on um, food, calories, what my body looked like, what my pant size was. And it was such an energy suck. And for me, that was my way to keep my consciousness, my awareness, my purpose, my light dampened. That kept me numbed out so I didn't have to look at my potential. I didn't have to look at what I was being called to do that was bigger. I had trained myself as a young kid to not be so sensitive or at least to completely armor up around my sensitivity because I couldn't handle it. And nobody was teaching me how to handle it because nobody around me really knew either. And I don't blame anyone for that. That's just my, that was just my experience. So I learned, you know, I was a really, really, really anxious little kid. I went to doctors for my anxiety disorder. I, my parents, you know, sat at the top of the stairs with me, um, my dad specifically, because I was freaked out every night before bed, whether it was about fires or um, tooth decay, right? When they came into kindergarten with those things that with the red and made you look at where your plaque was. I mean, I remember being freaked about the stupidest things, right? Then it was, then it was ghosts or robbers or aliens for all I know. I, it was huge. It was thunder and lightning. It was storms. And then eventually it turned into separation anxiety. And that one hung on for a long time. And there's still pieces of that that I'm working to unravel. But all of that numbing, that was my numbing of choice. People choose all kinds of drugs of choice. People choose, um, you know, shopping. People choose exercise. Sometimes people choose things that are really socially acceptable and they choose those and the world says, yay, look at you. You're so fit and thin and oh my gosh, your figure and you're fitting all of the marks for perfection and you look amazing. That's just fucking armor. That's just ways to keep ourselves from seeing our truth, which isn't about that shit. It's never been. So for me, body image was obvious. It was easy to find a way to completely stay distracted and to give all of my energy to something that didn't matter. And then I didn't have to be awake, right? And I didn't have to deal with how sensitive I was to the world. When I was a little kid, I used to literally say to my mom, she'd find me crying and I, she'd ask me why. And I'd say, I just felt like it. And I, and I, and I remember saying something to the effect of, I could just feel the sadness of the world, Right? So it took me a long time to peel away those layers, and I'm still peeling them away, little by little. Yoga was huge for me, but it took a decade of yoga for me to really learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable, and I'm still not great at it. Some of us choose Netflix. Our cell phones are a great way to numb out. Um, Staying busy is huge. Let me pack my schedule so full and so noisy that I don't have to ever sit with myself. I don't ever have to hear that quiet voice. Above the line says, can you witness your experience? Can you witness the whisper of your heart? Can you drop out of beta thinking and move it through deep enough to get into that theta space that allows you to be really connected to the knowledge and intuition of your heart, of your soul? Right? If you heard the episode I did on your compass is not broken, right? You can't tap into that if you're too busy keeping yourself safely trapped below the glass ceiling of the line. Right? 
if you're not in consciousness, if you're not working to be more awake, to witness your ego, your chatty mind, your monkey brain, you're going to keep spinning wheels. And it's our job at this time in the world to wake up little by little and baby step your way into simply inviting in a little more curiosity, a little more open-mindedness, a willingness to question your beliefs, both the beliefs that you have about yourself, but also the beliefs you have about the world, the beliefs you have about how many lives we have here, what spirituality looks like, what, what consciousness even is, what it means to be a spiritual being having a human experience, right? You're being asked to consider what if I did plan many of these struggles and heartaches to learn and to be asked to consider making that shift. I know this is when some of you are going to tune out because it's too much. So maybe you baby step simply into just becoming a witness of yourself, of witnessing how much the world triggers you, of witnessing how you like to numb, right? What is your preferred drug of choice or your preferred maladaptive coping mechanism? I don't care how evolved you are, we all have them. Some of the most brilliant, evolved, and tapped-in people I know have them too. We are human after all. That is the point. But I just just, feel so called to continue to invite all of us into this greater sense of curiosity, into creativity, into the space that you can live out your soul's intent and contribute in a way that's powerful and meaningful. Because there is a witness of your soul. And that witness offers you such deep alignment that you no longer have to feel like you need to numb because you won't be so discontented. Right? Success it has nothing to do with dollar dollar bills. It has everything to do with feeling in alignment with your soul. Feeling like you have purpose. That you're connected. That you're awake. And once those things happen, the numbing behaviors will fall away little by little. And you'll start to notice that when you have fallen below the line, you'll go back into those old habits, right? They call it neuroplasticity for a reason. Your brain is like plastic. It can change, but only under great force, great effort, great heat, right? Can you change it? But that's what you're being asked to do, to slowly wake up and choose slightly different behaviors, to witness yourself, to answer those quiet calls that say, maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's a different way. Maybe you can feel more contented, alive, successful. Maybe this everything you think isn't working out is simply, as Gabby Bernstein calls it, a detour in the right direction. That's some powerful shit. That maybe what you think isn't working out for you is the gold ball, shiny thing that's going to lead you to the next right, expansive opportunity. I believe from the heart of my heart that you are listening to this for a reason, that you are here for a reason, and that you are being called to question, to wake up just a little bit more, to evolve, to reconsider what it is that you believe, and do your best to move through your life with a little bit more of an open heart. And if you're in the midst of heartbreak, I implore you to take the opportunity to seek 
and look at that pain and ask it what it wants you to know. Where it is asking you to grow? What beautiful thing could be born of this heartache? Because most of us are in many heartaches day by day. And every one of those is an opportunity to expand. I thank you for listening to this. I hope that it connected with you. I hope to continue these conversations. And if you're seeking ways to start to wake up just even a little bit more, some basic things you can do, turn off the radio in the car. Turn off the noise in your house. Try something like yoga or a walk outside without any music, without a podcast, without um, anything. Just listen. Just listen to yourself. Take a yoga class. Take some Tai Chi. Meditate. Did I say that already? Meditate, meditate, meditate. Try a guided meditation first. It'll start to shift your vibration and your frequency so that you can then find the space to listen a little more closely. But guided meditations are super legit. You don't have to sit with your own self and make lists in your head because that's really hard at first. Your monkey brain and your ego has been in charge a long time. So it's really hard to turn that off if you haven't had that turned off in a lot ever, maybe, right? But go back to the things that you used to love as a kid. Do art. Create. Pick up the guitar you haven't played in 10 years. Do something that allows you just a little bit of quiet, reflective space. And do baby steps. Start with five minutes at first. See if you can just find ways to get out of your own way, to quiet down, to listen. Again, I thank you for listening here. Um, I'd love to continue this conversation. If you have any thoughts, feedback, questions, please reach out. And again, if you enjoy this, I'd really appreciate your subscription. Follow me and uh, let's keep this conversation going. Have a beautiful day. Mm -hmm.